Many times do you wonder how you've made it this far, that's God. And when you realize it wasn't as bad as it seemed, that was God. When you were sitting all alone without a friend to talk to, then suddenly a stranger calls with words that uplift you when it seems help just come from out of the blue that was god oh that's god he's walking through my darkest night his spirit is descending with power and might his love it surrounds me and wraps my soul safe and tight oh that's god he made a way for eternal life sacrifice who nailed all my sins to the cross brother that's God oh that's God he's walking through my darkest night his spirit is descending with power and might his love it surrounds me and wraps my soul safe and tight oh that's a great sacrifice who nailed all my sins to the cross brother that's God when your body came out of that sickness oh that was God and when you had no money but someone provided that was god oh when you were hungry and tired and no rest could be found but now there's food at your table and a place to lay down just look around at all of your blessings brother that's god oh that's god he's walking through my darkest night, His Spirit is descending with power and might. His love, it surrounds me and wraps my soul safe and tight. Oh, that's God, He made a way for eternal life in His Son to die. What a great sacrifice, who nailed all my sins to the cross, brother, that's God. Oh, when your body came out of that sickness, oh, that was God. And when you had no money, but someone provided, that was God. Oh, and you were hungry and tired, and no rest could be found. But now there's food at your table, and a place to lay down. Just look around at all of your blessings, brother, that's God. Oh, that's God, he's walking through my darkest night, his spirit. 
power and might. His love it surrounds me and wraps my soul safe and tight. Oh, that's God. He made a way for eternal life. Sent His Son to die. What a great sacrifice. Who nailed all my sins at the cross? Brother, that's God. Who nailed all my sins to the cross? Brother, that's God. He nailed all my sins to a cross. He nailed all your sins to a cross. I don't know how many times, I guess if we look back over our lives, how that we could see where Christ was there in the midst of our despair. I know that I wouldn't be here this morning if it wasn't for the love of Christ. The road that I was on wasn't a good road. My road was a path of destruction. But somewhere there was intervention that took along, divine intervention. Jesus Christ crossed my path. And today, I'm redeemed by his blood. I saw the blood come trickling down from the cross to the ground as the soldiers mocked his holy name. I saw the spear that pierced his side. God forgive them, he cried as the blood and water from his body came i saw the pain and disgrace all the pain and disgrace as the body of my savior broken grief oh, I know he did it all for me. He could have called the angel there to unbind his feet and hands to destroy the my place and I know he did it all for me and then I saw an empty tomb I saw a mother filled with gloom she thought death had taken her only son away but then a voice so sweet and clear it removed all doubt and fear 
for Jesus Christ has risen from that awful grave and though he had to go away he'll return again someday to take us has suffered great defeat and I know he did it all for me he could have called the angel band to unbind his feet and hands to destroy the world and let should have been mine but he took my place and i know he did it all for me oh the pain and disgrace it should have been mine but he took my place and i know he did it all glad thought some wonderful morning just to hear Gabriel's trumpet sound when I wake up, I wake up to sleep no more rising to meet our blessed Redeemer with the glad shout I want to when I wake up to sleep no more sunlight morning sleep no more Jews adorning happy I'll be boring glory Tell the story with the redeemed of all the ages One whom I adore when I wake up When I wake up to sleep no more To sleep no more When I wake well, up that morning To sleep no more Jews adorning Happy I'll be Over in glory Tell the story with the redeemed of all the ages One whom I adore when A new body, twinkling of an eye. When I wake up to sleep no more, sleep no more. Behind all trouble and sorrow, city upon high. When I wake up to sleep no more, sleep no more. When I wake up, some glad morning, sleep no more. Jews adorning, happy I'll be over in glory. Tell the story with the redeemed of all the ages One whom I adore When I wake up to sleep no more Sleep no more When I wake up Some glad bones Sleep no more Jews adore me Happy I'll be Over in glory Tell the story with the redeemed of all the ages One whom I adore 
hearts don't deserve your glory oh but still you show a love we cannot afford but like hinges straining from the weight my heart no longer can keep from singing all Such a tiny offering compared to Calvary, but nevertheless, we laid at your feet. It's such a tiny what you give you can give a million dollars to the church tomorrow it's and it's still a tiny, a tiny offering. offering you can give everything you've got and it's just a tiny offering compared to what he did at Calvary you see you see the purple he was a king and he laid it all down all of us it's it's such a pitiful little gift it's a tiny offering nevertheless I'm going to lay it at his feet. What are you going to do with your gift? With your offering, are you going to give it to him? It goes back to the story of Abel and Cain. Abel didn't have much to give, but he gave all he had. It's such a tiny offering. Oh, think about it, church. Compared to Calvary, what is Calvary a picture of? It is a picture of pain picture of suffering but it is a picture of love he loved us so much he loved us so much that he died on that cross and he is worth everything that we could ever give for the rest of our lives so nevertheless whatever happens I'm going to lay it at his feet I'm going to lay it at his feet one more time
Judea, Dolorosa, in Jerusalem that day. The soldiers tried to clear the narrow street, but the crowd pressed in to see a man condemned to die on Calvary. bleeding from a beating there were stripes upon his back and he wore a crown of thorns upon his head and he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death down the via dolorosa called the suffering like a lamb came the messiah christ the king but he chose to walk that road out of his love for you and me down the via dolorosa all the way to calvary Dolorosa, Pristendia in Jerusalem. Los soldados le abran paso a Jesús. Mas la gente se acercaba para ver aquella baba que Al Calvario ya morí. The blood that would cleanse the souls of all men made its way to the heart of Jerusalem. Down the via Dolorosa, called the way of suffering, like a lamb came the Messiah.
They all walked away with nothing to say. They'd lost their dearest friend, and all that he had said now he was dead. So this was the way that it would end. The dreams they had dreamed were not what they had seemed. Now he was dead and gone. The guard in the jail, the hammer, the nail. How could a night be so long? The angel, the star. The kings from afar, the wedding, the water, the wine. Now it was done, they'd taken her son, wasted before his time. She knew it was true, she watched him die too. She heard them call him just a man, but deep in her heart, she knew from the start, somehow her son would live again. Then came the As you can tell, we're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about Jesus. He's our favorite subject around here. That's why we go to church. Our favorite subject is Jesus. 
you want to open up a, your Bibles uh, with me this morning, I want to start out beginning in, in Hebrews chapter 12. I know that uh, <clears throat> this time of the year is, is one of my favorite times of the year because I like the spring because everything starts to bloom like it's done really good this year. Well, I'll tell you, I, I don't think I've ever remembered spring being this warm, this early, this long without some kind of a cold snap to come along kill all the flowers and bring it, knock them back. It's kind of like coming out of the grave, you know? It's kind of like going from death into life. That's the way I kind of look at it whenever I look at spring sometimes. And I enjoy it, and especially this time of the year because, you know, if you're a Christian, uh, most Christians this time of the year, whenever we get this close to Easter, we begin to prepare. And we begin to... Uh, start asking people to come to church because you see it seems like easter and christmas is the biggest two sundays in the church that's when usually the church house is full on easter and on sunday or on the easter sunday and on christmas and so when we look at things like uh, what takes place in jerusalem and this time of the year and what it means i, I guess there's something of a draw for a christian most Christians, I think, if they study anything about Judaism, or if they study anything about the homeland, Jerusalem, there's somewhat of a draw that makes most Christians want to go there to experience that. Because it seems like everybody that comes back has a story to tell that's completely changed their lives. How that, if they've walked on the streets where Jesus walked, and if they went to the place where they claim is his tomb, and, and these different things like that, and then they walk to this street, which is called the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. And they experience that, those mock walkings that they have, that, where they have somebody to carry a cross and walk down this street. And when we look back at our own lives and we think about the way of suffering, we all have a cross to bear. Did you realize that? Just as Jesus had a cross to bear to go toward Calvary, you and I also have a cross to bear. It's our way of suffering. A little bit different than his, but at the same time, let's begin looking in Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to look primarily at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, listen to this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that is set down at the right hand of God the Father. Uh, I'll read that again. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It goes on to say this, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That's your way of suffering. Our own somewhat via dolorosa, if you please. Jesus Christ was different, yes, he was. He was very much God, he was very much man. He was God incarnate, he came in the flesh, and there was a purpose for him to come. Jesus Christ had to come to atone for sin. You see, for years and years and years, the Jewish priests would take in lambs 
that were without spot and without blemish to sacrifice. And they did so on a yearly basis. That was during the time which is called Yom Kippur. And they went into a holy temple and they sprinkled the blood upon the mercy seat. And then the Shekinah glory of God would come in a cloud and he would consume it and he would accept it. And for a year, the sins of Israel would be forgiven as a nation. However, those sins were not good enough to take away sins for all times because, you see, they were an incomplete sacrifice. The sacrifice of a lamb was not good enough. However, we know as we'll look this morning, we see that Jesus Christ was also a lamb which was slain before the foundation of the world. You know, I've often wondered many times how that uh, as we approach this time, and I know this might sound something of an Easter message, even though it is an Easter, and I know Brother Tim's got something, and I appreciate him letting me get up here this morning and to speak. You ever wonder how Easter Sunday comes at different times of the year? Why isn't it just on a certain day or every year? Every year when it comes around, it's like one time it's in March, one time it's in April, sometimes it's in the middle of April. Well, it has to do with the way the moon comes, because you see the Jewish people... Uh, they serve God through a lunar system. In other words, every 30 days, the moon becomes full. And then it becomes two weeks later, it becomes a new moon. Then it becomes two weeks later, a full moon. Two weeks later, a new moon. Two weeks later, full moon. And so their Jewish, day is, uh, Jewish month is 30 days at a time. Well, the way Easter comes, it falls on the first full moon after the Sunday that follows the 23rd of March. So if, if the uh, full moon falls upon the um, Sunday, then Easter will be the following Sunday after that. Somehow they got a little schedule the way they worked that out, how it, it floats around. But it has to do with the lunar system. The Bible calls this time of the year Passover. It's the Passover time of the season. That's the beginning of the spring feasts of Israel. If you remember, if you've studied much and if you've been into much... Uh, uh, Bible studies and so forth. This is the time of the year when Israel was preparing to leave Egypt in a hurry. It was a time when they prepared the Passover lamb. If you watch the movie, The Ten Commandments, you'll get a good glimpse of what that's all about. But what they would did is uh, God told Moses and he told them, he said, to, to take a lamb and to eat the entire thing. And you take the blood of the lamb and you place it upon the doorposts of your house. The letter that they put upon it, they would take hyssop and they would dip it in the blood and they would write the letter Tav. It's the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it was shaped like a cross, the Tav is. It was a picture of Calvary. That early experience that they had in that time frame was something that was looking yet to the future. You see, the cross is, in the Old Testament, looking forward to it. But today, the cross is looking back. So you see the center, the cross is really the center of all scripture. Everything in the Bible evolves around the cross of Calvary. Everything looks forward to the time coming when Jesus was come. And today we look back to a time whenever Jesus came and he atoned for our sins by his shed blood. And today we can know the saving knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ through that and by believing in him. Because he is the rewarder of them, the Bible says, that diligently seek him. So this thing called Passover and the death angel, and, that's, and hence the word Passover, because that's what happened, was the death angel, when he came, would pass over them. And that's why they call it Passover, because the death angel passed over. Now, a lot of you know this, I know, but there are perhaps a lot of you here that don't know that. So all through the years that the Jewish people were supposed to keep these feast days, which is called the spring feasts of Israel, 
But this first feast was just called Passover. And it was a symbolic because the death angel had passed over them. Well, the Last Supper, which is what we would call communion, this was the last thing that Jesus ate. And the Passover meal or the Passover Seder was the Passover. You see, whenever Jesus was preparing to go to the cross, it was at the time of Passover. It had to do with escaping death for the Jewish people. But you see, Jesus had another place to go. He had to walk the way of suffering. He had to walk to a cross. You see, he wasn't going to escape the death that escaped Israel. Because the purpose for him coming was to atone, not only for his nation, Israel, but for you and I. You and I today are free because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You and I today know the joy of salvation because of what the Jews rejected him one day 2,000 years ago. And today we know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior because of what he has done for us and how he atoned for our sin. He said, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I've often wondered many times during that time frame when Jesus was participating in that Last Supper, how that he, along with his disciples there, were eating of the Passover Seder. Now, we've experienced that here. There have been times whenever, and some of our studies in the past, when we have had a Passover Seder. And whenever we think of feasts, we think of a banquet. We think of a lot of good food, don't we? I know whenever I think of a feast day, it sounds like, hey, there's good meat, there's good desserts, there's good everything. Passover Seder is not like that at all. If you ever participated in a Passover Seder, there's certain things that are on the Passover plate. And they point back to the time of the Exodus. You see, there are things like bitter herbs, and there was brine salt water. And they would dip these things in this salt water and they would taste it and eat it. And it would bring tears. There was horseradish on there that they would dip and they would eat in it. And it would bring tears and it would bring times of remembrance of sorrow. And it was to remind them of the brick and the mortar and the things that they had to do while they were in Egypt and when they were under bondage. You see, that's the way sin is. Sin puts us in bondage. Yet at the same time, whenever we look back at this, we know that Christ was coming to redeem us for all that. Because you see, those things were all temporary. They weren't going to last forever. Christ came to put an end to that. We no longer have to go back to those days whenever we keep those little laws and things that they did. Because the Bible says that Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. You don't have to go back to keeping that any longer. You don't have to go back to those ways. Today, we have a more excellent way in serving Jesus Christ. I know that uh, when he prayed uh, in the garden, he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But at the same time, we just read here in Hebrews that he looked forward to the joy of enduring the cross. It sounds somewhat contradictory, doesn't it? That how at one place he says that he looked forward to the joy that was set before him, and another place he says, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. That's the difference between the spiritual part of Christ, which he knew was he was very much God, and he was the human part of Christ, which he was very much man. Nobody looks forward to death, do we? None of us want to die. I don't want to die. I'm kind of like a lot of the preachers that says, you know, um, I'm, re I'm ready to go, but I just assume going rapture, that's kind of the best way to go, isn't it? You know why? Because death is such an unknown. It's a door that whenever we pass through the door of death, nobody really comes back. 
oh yeah, you hear some of these experiences sometimes every now and then where somebody has an out-of-body experience, you know, and they'll get on the television, they see the, see the bright lights, and you know, everything is nice over there, and they see family members. And I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying that isn't true altogether. But at the same time, it's still such an unknown because nobody has gone over and stayed for any experience, any length of time, and has been able to come back, except for one. And that's Christ. You see, Christ died so that we don't have to die. He experienced death on a cross of Calvary so that you and I don't have to experience death. Because you see, whenever we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we pass from death unto life. If only in this life we have hope in Christ Jesus, we but of all men most miserable. I'm not miserable today. I'm not miserable today because I know who Jesus Christ is. I know what he has done for me. He's atoned for my sins on a cross of Calvary and has paid the debt that I could not pay. I'm thankful for that this morning, and I know many of you are too here as well. So after an, an illegal trial, which was, took place before Pilate, they cried, crucify him. A man who is without sin bore our sin, and he took it upon himself. You see, Christ had to be without sin in order to bear our sin. I like to teach something from time to time whenever I teach, and, and I'm somewhat repetitive, so you'll have to forgive me of that. But I can remember, and I'll say it again, I, I can remember when I was in school one time, and my teacher, uh, she kept saying, this teach, trying to teach us the same thing over and over and over again. You know, I guess because we weren't getting it. That's really what it was, because we weren't getting it. And I asked her one time, I said, why do you keep repeating that? You already told us that. She says, so I can drive it into your thick skull. And you know what? I got it. I remembered it. But what I want to share with you this morning is this. There was a principle of law. And if I could drive anything into your mind, you could understand scripture into this. And the principle of law says this, that the penalty of a broken law must fall upon the breaker of the law or a substitute. Otherwise, the law is of no effect. The penalty of a broken law must fall upon the breaker of the law or a substitute. Otherwise, the law is of no effect. It simply says this. The principle of law in this country was the, based upon that very principle itself, the principle of law. And that tells us this. You see, you remember, if you go all the way back into the garden, God gave Adam and Eve one thing to do. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what did they do? They broke it. And the end result of that is, is sin came into the world. 100% of the human race was within sin. There was no one to pay the penalty for the, uh, the sin of the human race. Everybody was in sin. So therefore, what did God do? If you read later on, you'll find out that God made Adam and Eve coats of skin. How do you get a coat of skin? You shed blood. That's the only way you can get a coat of skin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission and there is no covering of sin. Adam and Eve's sins were covered by the shed blood of an animal. We're not told what kind of an animal it was. Perhaps it was a lamb. We're not really told. But you see, there's a problem with that. It's a lesser. The animal kingdom is a lesser kingdom than the human race is. Because you see, you remember what God did to Adam? He gave, put him in charge in the garden. He said, you will have dominion over all. And they brought the animals before Adam, and he named them all. But you see, the blood that covered Adam and Eve's sin was lesser. It took, because the penalty of a broken law must fall upon the breaker of the law, Adam and Eve, or a substitute. The temporary substitute was a lamb in the garden, wherever it was. 
but it was insufficient. Therefore, Christ had to come. He's the second Adam. It took another man to die and atone for man's sins in order that we might be able to receive forgiveness of sins. But it took somebody that was without sin. That's why Christ could not come after the... Uh, that's why he had to be virgin born. He had to be born of a virgin because uh, if he came the normal way, he's born into sin, just like you and I. We're born after the similitude of Adam's transgression, the Bible tells us. Every man that is born, we're born into sin. We have the sin nature. We're bent towards, we're in sin bent toward God. We have to come to the saving knowledge of receiving Jesus Christ into who he is. But at the same time, whenever we look at this, it had to look, the cross had to look forward to a time that a man would come, very much God, because the Bible tells us that Christ was made a little lower than the angels. But you see, the problem is there. God can't die. God can't die. Angels can't die. Did you know that? Angels can't die. God can't die. So he had to be made a little bit lower than the angels. So therefore, he had to come through the birth of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Ghost. And whenever he was able to come into the world, he wasn't conceived by another man. He was conceived by God through the Holy Ghost. So whenever Christ came, he came, and he was born without sin. So therefore, that's why the Bible calls him the second Adam. And that's the characteristic between the first Adam and the second Adam. They were both without sin at one point in their life. Christ was able to overcome the sins of the world. He was able to overcome every temptation. There was nothing in this world that was ever presented before him that caused him to fall. He was able to completely atone for our sins. The Bible calls him the second Adam. And I, somehow I got way off onto that, and I wasn't where I was really going. The Bible says that uh, he was able to take my sin and your sin. And Revelation 13, 3 says he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot, who was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. That takes us right back to the same scenario where he was. That tells us then that before Adam was ever created, there was a plan in God's mind to redeem you and me. God had you in his mind. He loved you enough that he had you in his mind. He had me in his mind long before he ever put Adam or Eve on the earth, before it ever began to be populated, that he might be able to redeem us, to purchase our blood. We are redeemed by the blood of Christ. There is no other way under heaven whereby man not be saved, the Bible says, than through Jesus Christ. People try to find him in other areas we all know, there's, you drive up and down the highway, you find every kind of a religion that there is. Our world is faced today with the Muslim teaching. The Muslims would like you to believe that they are the way. If you talk to them, if you're able to get one to talk to them about the Bible, they will tell you that your Bible is corrupt, that it has been changed, the words of it is not consistent, and that the teachings of Muhammad is the only ones that's remained the same for all these years that, that ours has been twisted and it's been changed and, and therefore it can't be real whenever you talk to somebody that doesn't believe in Christ you can ask them a question does a prophet lie does a prophet lie and see even the Muslims believe that Christ is a prophet 
And if they say no, then that proves them wrong. And if they say yes, then Christ wasn't a prophet. So you see, they're in a catch-22. Can a prophet lie? And if a prophet cannot lie, then Jesus says, no man comes into the Father but by me. It's not through Muhammad. It's not through Hare Krishna. It's not through Buddha. It's through Jesus Christ and him crucified. The way of Calvary is the only way that you can get to heaven. There is no other way under heaven whereby you and I can be saved than through the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood cleanses us from all sin. He is able to be the atoning creature. So therefore, whenever he went to the cross of Calvary, he was the supreme sacrifice. He was the substitute that could pay for the penalty of law that Adam and Eve broke. Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no other way under heaven whereby we might be saved. After Christ uh, was crucified, walked the road of the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. Is the second day. It's called the day of unleavened bread. That's the second day of the Passover feast in the springtime. Whenever we take communion, you have the little juice and then you have the little wafer. The wafer is the unleavened part. It's the symbolic part of the un. It's the symbolic part of the, without sin. It's unleavened because the Jews were told to bake their bread and they were supposed to, to make it without leaven. Leaven is symbolic of sin, so it's unleavened bread. It's without sin, and that's what it simply means is that, without sin. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. The things that the lambs that there was given prior to that were only temporary. They weren't sufficient. Jesus was the better sacrifice. Hebrews 11, or Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to, while you're still in Hebrews there, turn back a couple pages. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verses 1 through 4. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image, of the things can never, uh, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually uh, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then they would have not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. You see, whenever the Jews sacrificed their animals each year, and by the way, they're working to get back to that. Did you know that? They're working to get back to the blood sacrifice. But every year there's a remembrance of sin. So they had to come again and bring their lambs without spot and without blemish to the priest so that it could be sacrificed. And that they could have their sins taken away from them for another year at a time. So they too, when Christ was in the grave, was symbolic of him being without sin. Romans 3, verses 23 and 4 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through the faith in his blood to declare righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. God has set him forth to be a propitiation. 
That's a word a lot of times we don't look at and see what it's all about. Pro propitiation simply means this. It's the act of God whereby he extends grace to you and to me through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, God is without sin. He cannot look upon sin. You and I were sinners. It took something to bridge the gap between God and man, and that was the blood of Jesus Christ. So therefore, he was able to look upon Christ, and therefore he was able to receive our sins because he was the Son of God, and he was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve ever came. It was determined that Christ would have to die for your and my sins. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus Christ took away your sins? Amen. What would you do this morning if you didn't have opportunity? You'd be sitting here wasting your time. You could be out mowing your yard. <laughs> you could be out doing other things. You could be out taking care of whatever it is that you wanted to do this morning. And if Jesus Christ hadn't come, and if he had not died on a cross of Calvary, then I would still be in my sin. I would have to find another way to get to God. I'd have to call up Oprah and find out which road she's on. <laughs> because I think she says there's many ways to God. But you see, just as we just talked about, the Bible says, Jesus says, there is but one way. One way. That's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Day two, which was the unleavened without sin, looked all the way back. Because, you see, death prepared a certain thing. Man had not ex experienced death before Adam and Eve had sinned. Of course, they were the first ones. But, you see, they didn't understand what death was altogether because what's death if nothing around ever dies? But when Cain slew Abel, he was the first one to go into this place which is called paradise. You see, what did Jesus say to the penitent thief on him? Today, this day, thou shalt be with me where? In paradise. Well, where was paradise? Paradise was in a compartment which many believe was in the center of the earth. I don't know where it is. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's not. But everybody that died in favor of God went to this place from the time that Cain had slew Abel. Abel all the way up to the time of Christ. Maybe Lazarus, which is the last one we have recorded in Scripture. Which You see the purpose of Lazarus being uh, killed, or Lazarus is dying, was to prove that Christ is the resurrection. And he did that. If you look back a couple chapters on that, you'll, you'll find out that to be true. But you see, everybody that had died all the way up to this time of Christ... Nobody other than one or two ex uh, examples in the Old Testament was ever called back from the grave. So everybody died. They went to a place. They didn't know where they went. They went into their fathers, the Bible says. You know, if, but you know the trouble of it is, is there was another place that you didn't want to go. The Bible calls that hell. There is a paradise. There was a paradise. And there's also a hell. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. How many of you ever heard that before? And that is true. There is a place in our lives whenever we must make a choice. There is a crossroads. There is a cross. When you and I must make a choice, which way will I go? You have a way of suffering. You have a way of grief. Things in this life go by us, and we experience things in life that we don't know how we ever got to where we are sometimes. I don't know how. If you'd have told me 25, 30 years ago that I could be doing this, I'd probably cussed you out. 
Honestly, I wasn't a Christian. To say that I would be doing something like this today, you see, it was because something happened to me. And I've told it in the past. I can remember that there was incidences in my life on my road to get to where I am today. To wherever there was places that Jesus crossed my path. And I didn't know he was crossing my path. Did you know that the Holy Spirit was dealing with you whenever you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? You didn't know it, did you? You couldn't see the spirit world. You couldn't see where God was and how he was working in your life. All you know is something began to move in here. And your heart began to melt. And you began to realize that if I don't change my ways, I'm going to go to a sinner's hell. I'm not going to make it to heaven. My experience was that where I can remember one time walking. My mom used to send us down to this little store called King Quick. Can you remember, anybody remember King Quicks? We used to go down there and have to get, bring, call back a, an eight-pack of bottles of pop. Man, those things were heavy when you're young. This hand for a while, this hand for a while. Carrying it, finally you get back to the house. One day we was walking back from there, and this fellow stopped the car. Asked us if we were saved. I was walking with another friend of mine. No, we're not saved. He didn't know what he was talking about. And he prayed with us right there. That was incident number one. Somewhere, and you know, from that moment on, I began to think because I know that we had went to church whenever we were young. And I remember that, uh, I can remember incidences where my dad and my, some of my uncles, they would be sitting on the back patio and they'd start talking about the Bible. And it intrigued me enough that I would sit down by their feet and listen to them talk. Didn't really know too much about it. You know, I, I heard the stories. And the stories were interesting enough that it made me want to kind of know a little bit more. But I went on about my life just like you did. But then, later on in life, I started to date this girl. Her name is Jan. I ended up marrying her. I still got her. <laughs> but she, she went to a church down called Asbury Tabernacle. And a lot of you are from there. You know, that was my real experience starting to come back to the, the road of knowing Christ. And at that time frame, she was going to college and she was away at college. And, and uh, I was running around with the boys. And so one night, mom asked me, she says, I want you to go to church with me. She went to a little Baptist church up in Seven Hills, Seven Hills Baptist. And so it was a Friday night, you know, and the boys, they were all, the other guys I was running around with, they all had dates and stuff, and I didn't have nothing to do. So, okay, Mom, I'll go with you. No intentions of all have ever come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But, you know, when I sat in that congregation that morning, and the preacher preached, I couldn't tell you a word he said. I still don't know what he talked about. But something began to move in here. Something began to stir because when it came time for the altar call to be given, you seen them cartoons, the little good devil and the bad devil, they're sitting on my shoulders. You seen them cartoons, you don't want to do that. You're going to have to give up this. You're going to have to quit doing all your, whatever it is that you're doing. <clears throat> I'm not going to repeat it. <clears throat> but then there was the good one. It says you need to walk forward and give your heart to Jesus Christ. And there was a battle right here. And it was strong. And I didn't know what to do. And I felt a tap on my shoulder. The fellow said to me, do you want me to go up and pray with you? And I said, no, I'll go up by myself. And so I left out of that aisle, and I walked down that aisle, and I don't remember walking from there to here. Whew, boy, did I feel clean. 
Jesus Christ knew what I was in my heart before I ever took a step. Amen. He got me to that place before I knew that I was even coming. Amen. And I like them cartoons. Because you see that one with the Gatling gun when they sit there and they blow you all to pieces? And then they take a drink of water and all that water's coming out in all them holes? <laughs> That's the way I felt. I felt so clean. I never felt anything like that in my life. I was clean for the first time in my life to a place to where I didn't know what it was all about. But boy, did I feel good. I liked it. And ever since that day, I've been on this road to serve Jesus Christ. His dad, I was going to church. Jan and I finally got married. We didn't have to, but we did. <laughs> Brother Pruitt, God bless his heart. I miss him so Sometimes the way he preached. Some of you didn't, never heard that man preach. But he can move you. He can't even talk today. But you see, he asked me to teach his junior boys class. And I was reluctant, but I did. I didn't know any Bible. I think Whitey might have been in there then. <laughs> you don't remember, do you, Whitey? But you know, I found out that uh, I had to start studying because them boys knew more than I did. I started teaching, they say, no, that's not the way it is, it's this way. And I looked at it, and sure enough, they were right. But you know, I had to start digging. And from that moment on, this right here became so precious to me. And today, it's in my heart that nothing can take it away. I don't want anything to take it away, and nothing's going to take it away. Because, you see, this is what's real. Amen. A life without sin. Jesus Christ came to die for me. And today I know him. But, you see, there's something that's even better than that. Something beyond the death. And that's the morning. The stone was rolled away. Death is no longer something that we have to worry about. You see, because whenever Christ came and atoned for our sins and he rose again from the day, the Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 54, I think it is, it says, and after the third day of his resurrection, there came out of the graves and appeared unto many into the city. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, Jesus rose. I believe that. And I don't care what the world says, I will stand on that till the day that I die. And one of these days, I'm going to leave this world, and I'll go to be with him, my Savior, my Lord. And I don't know if I'll dance. I don't know if I'll sing. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to be ashamed because of what he's done for me. We should not be ashamed of what Jesus has done. Because, you see, he loves you. He loves you so much that he walked all the way down the Via Dolorosa to a way of suffering. He bore on his back the stripes the blood that came, the crown of thorns, so that you might have life. You're here this morning because Jesus Christ loves you and he loves me. It's all Stan. I only got to page two. That's guess that's good for you. But that's enough. I think you know what I'm talking about. Heather, would you sing that song I asked? This morning, you that don't know Jesus Christ, 
I know you've had a way of suffering. Maybe we hold grudges. Maybe we hold whatever it is that we have that keeps us from making a decision. You need to make the right decision this morning. You need to make the right decision because, you see, it's eternity that we're talking about. It's not just right now. It's not just the way I feel. Because, you see, if I had time to stop and think about it just a minute, whenever the Lord was working on me that morning, moment, maybe I would have said, I'm going to worry about what my friends or what my family or what somebody's going to say to me. I'm going to have to do different. It wasn't long until I found out that I didn't have to worry about abandoning my friends because you know what? They somewhat abandoned me. I didn't want to do the things that they'd done any longer. I didn't want to go the places that they wanted to go. You see, Christ changed me. That's what being changed is all about. It's an about face. It's walking in a different direction that you've walked in your life. That can only come through the blood of Jesus Christ and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. The altar is open this morning. And for the next few minutes, I want you to try to imagine what it's going to be like whenever you stand before him. Will you be on the right side or will you be on the wrong side? The choice is yours. What it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Oh. Can only imagine surrounded by your glory what will my heart feel will I dance for you Jesus or in all of you be still will I stand in your presence to my knees will I fall will I sing hallelujah Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine. When all I will do is forever, forever worship you, I can only imagine, oh, I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Jesus, or in all of you be still, will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall, will I sing, hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all, I can only imagine, oh, 
presence To my knees will I fall Will I sing Hallelujah Will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing in the sun I can only imagine When all I will do Is forever Forever worship you I can only imagine Oh, I can only Oh, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only Oh, I can only imagine Oh, surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing? Hallelujah! To my knees will I fall Sing hallelujah Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine Yeah I can only imagine Oh I can only imagine Yeah I can only imagine Have you thought about it this morning? Have you thought about what it's going to be like whenever you stand before Him? It could be a time of rejoicing such as never was. We could be rejoicing for millions and millions and millions of years. Or you could be suffering the fires of an eternal hell for millions and millions and millions of years. The choice is yours. Anyone else needs to come forward this morning? Needs to make crooked places straight? need to change the ways of your life 